I think the first thing is, see, Ben agrees, but I mean, the very first thing I would look at is uh, not replacing sleeping bags or shelters. I mean, that's certainly maybe somewhere that you're going to go, but folks just carry too much stuff generally. There's an old saying, you know, you pack your fears, and um, that's true to an extent. People have three or four shirts and, you know, four or five pairs of socks and stuff, you know, for a seven, eight day hunt. And I mean, it's just not needed. You're going to stink no matter what. So, I mean, you know, and who cares, you know, maybe an archery hunter might be a little different, but uh, I mean, I think there's ways around that, but um, I would look, the first thing I would look at is your list is what stuff can I get by without? That's the easiest and the cheapest way to shave weight to start. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Welcome back. I'm Sam Weaver, host of today's Tipsy Tuesday, a short segment covering rockslide.com tidbits, hunting news from across the West, with just a sprinkling of tips and tricks to keep you well informed for your next adventure. With our archery seasons starting to kick off across the West, we decided to roll out a bonus Tipsy Tuesday focused on lightening your pack. Follow along as Rockslide's own Mike Moore and Ben Reynolds walk us through the tips and tricks of shedding pounds from your pack before heading up the mountain. I'll be learning as we go along with everyone else just what I can do to make my pack a little lighter this year. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Sam. Glad to be here. Yeah, Sam, absolutely. Thank you for having us. All right, so the number one first thing that we have to do, I guess, is what? I would say we need to uh, evaluate what our our current gear lists are and uh, put them in a spreadsheet, put them in lighter packs, and then and then start evaluating from there and uh, and seeing where we can cut weight and still be effective. And Sam, just you know, so your folks know, and you can link it at the end of your podcast, but this uh, lighter pack. Dot com is a free software. You itemize your equipment, you know, as much detail or as less detail as you want. You need a good scale uh, to make sure you're weighing stuff. But anyways, you plug it in thing and it's automatically telling you what your pack's going to weigh. You can add in different amounts of food and amounts of water, depending on if you have multiple sleep bags, you know, one for early season and one for dead of winter. Um, you can just simply pull out of that little list, slide it over, and it does all the math for you. It's free and it works well. They have a little short video to kind of take you through it. But if, if folks haven't checked it out, check it out. All right. That's a great tip, Mike. Thanks for sharing. So step number one, look at our gear, weigh it, put it in a, print, in a spreadsheet so we know what it weighs and we can reference it often. Once we know what our stuff weighs, I guess... What's what's step number two? I would say, uh, like I mentioned before, that uh, that you need to evaluate what what gear you're taking, uh, what is absolutely necessary, and how are you going to be really effective as a as a hunter. You could shave weight by uh, going light on optics, but then not be as effective at glassing. Um, and so overall, 
even though you might save a, a few ounces or maybe even a pound, you're not going to be able to cover the ground with your eyes as much and you're going to be less effective as a hunter. So it's going through each category and really uh, taking note of, of how those items are going to affect your effectiveness. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, just as an example on optics, I mean, you know, there's such a wide variation on backpacking hunts, you know, from sheep to goat to, you know, deer elk and, you know, the optics needs are going to vary. So what I need for uh, an elk hunt is going to be different what Ben needs for a sheep hunt. So at the same time, you want to make sure that whatever you select is the optimum. I don't need a 65 millimeter or 80 millimeter spotter when I'm hunting elk. I'm looking for a legal bull and I can do that with 10 by 42 binoculars done. So, so I think that's good advice. You definitely want to pair your equipment with, with the task it needs to accomplish. I guess my question is, how do I know, like, let's say I weighed my sleeping bag. How do I know if that's where I am in the ballpark of if there's lighter ones out there, if there's not, I mean, where do I get that kind of information to kind of see where where my current situation is. I would say jumping on rock sliding, going into lightweight forum is a great place and a, a great resource to to look at gear and see what other people are using. Look at other people's lighter pack lists and uh, and and talk to people such as Mike and other people that are doing uh, similar hunts and and bounce ideas off each other. Um, and I I think I. I know personally get a lot from rock slide from, from having that resource. Yeah, it's a great resource. There's uh, such a wide array of people all over the country and even beyond the country that uh, contribute. And uh, I mean, just decades and decades of experience. So, I mean, if a person has a question, I mean, they can pop it up, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, threads already started on different hunts and it definitely be worth perusing those. And if, your question isn't answered, then ask. Well, I know it takes a lot of, of either money or a lot of time to collect standard hunting equipment list. And then to go down the lightweight rabbit hole is that much more. How much, let's say I can save a couple ounces by changing my sleeping bag. How do I know if that's going to be overall beneficial? Do I need to be setting a budget like each year and know what I want to lighten up? If I have a sheep hunt coming up, I just start to lighten up the big items? I mean, what kind of where do I start at and what's the trade-off there? I think the first thing is, see, Ben agrees, but I mean, the very first thing I would look at is uh, not replacing sleeping bags or shelters. I mean, that's certainly maybe somewhere that you're going to go, but folks just carry too much stuff generally. There's an old saying, you know, you pack your fears, and um, that's true to an extent. People have three or four shirts and, you know, four or five pairs of socks, and stuff, you know, for a seven, eight day hunt. And I mean, it's just not needed. You're going to stink no matter what. So, I mean, you know, and who cares, you know, maybe an archery hunter might be a little different, but uh, I mean, I think there's ways around that, but um, I would look, the first thing I would look at is your list is what stuff can I get by without? That's the easiest and the cheapest way to shave weight to start. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And I think that it's, all a lot of it's a lot of theory until you put it into practice so if you haven't gone out and gone uh, minimalist into the mountains or whatever environment that you're going to be hunting in you really don't know what's going to work for you so i think just getting out and getting on out on some trips some lightweight trips some overnight trips 
and just practicing with the gear you have and becoming really familiar with it before you jump in and start buying all the the Dyneema this and carbon that you want to just get out and become familiar with what you have and then know how that works and then you can start making decisions whether to leave it behind next time or cut weight uh, out of your existing gear list before you start uh, going head first and to, to buying all the lightweight equipment because familiarity with your equipment is is going to be the most important thing. Yeah, I think I fall into that category too. Like I said, I come from a military background where two is one and one is none, and we're all about redundancy. And and I think you, it's easy to fall into that trap. You know, do I need two headlamps? Do I really? I mean, has my headlamp ever gone out? No, I change the batteries every time. Yeah, I always bring two. And things like that, you know, I really need to pare down my list. And I think, you know, that's where a spreadsheet really comes in handy too, because when you list that stuff, you know, when it's in the pile, maybe it's on the bottom and one's on the top and you're not really thinking about it. But when you put them on the spreadsheet and they're right next to each other, it's sure noticeable real quick. Most most definitely. I really think clothing, I mean, just from based on my experience in hunting with different guys, I mean, that seems like that's the easiest and cheapest place to go. Obviously, you need to stay warm, dry, comfortable. Generally, you know, from somebody just kind of starting out or even somebody that's been doing it for years and never really examined it closely, that'd be the first place I would look once you start listing all the clothing, you know, you're wanting to bring you know, peek at that and see where you can whittle down. That doesn't cost you a penny, you know, leaving stuff behind. So, And there's certain ideas that once you become aware of, then you can incorporate those ideas into, like, say, your clothing system. So the idea that you can use your clothing as part of your sleep system is huge. It, just that that idea alone will make it so you can take a lighter sleeping bag for uh, um, the conditions, but you you add in your base layers and maybe your your puffy jacket, uh, puffy pants, even if it's really cold, and that becomes part of a, a system as a whole. So you don't just have a separate sleep system over here and then a, a separate clothing system. You combine the two. And uh, once you start doing that, uh, you can really start saving a lot of weight and uh, having a, a system that just works together as a whole better. The Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Join the millions of hunters who trust Onyx to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Some of the key features of Onyx are the ability to combine critical land data with on-the-ground exploration to build your perfect map and find success. All your save markups sync automatically to all devices for use in the field or from home. Onyx includes nationwide public and private land boundaries. Hunt with confidence and find new opportunities using color-coded public land maps, private parcel ownership information, and clearly marked boundaries. Mark locations crucial to your hunt with custom waypoints. Measure distances of your walk-in, shot across canyon, or distance to the nearest access point with lines. View maps in 3D and choose satellite, topo, or hybrid base maps to have the best easy-to-read visual for your hunt. Go as far from the grid as you want. No cell service required. Save detailed maps, layers, and markups for offline use. With live tracking and current location features, you'll make it out and back just like you planned. Don't risk getting turned around or lost. So if you're ready to make the jump to Onyx, use the code ROCKCAST at checkout and save yourself 20%. Right, anything that we carry that can serve two purposes saves uh, 
have to wait. No, no doubt about that. Sam, I'm going to just mention on the redundancy thing. I mean, there's certain things that redundancy and being safe, I mean, works. Uh, I do an adventure race uh, in the spring. We're going till, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I carry two headlamps. Critical thing if the lamp goes. I have had a lamp fail only once, but anyways, I need two headlamps. But outside of that, I mean, a headlamp and batteries um, is just an example where, I mean, you save the weight of of another headlamp. You know, knives, I think it's, you know, that's a place, you know, where you could be wise to have, you know, two knives. But again, you know, you can have a really ultralight Havilon change a blade type knife that weighs, you know, an ounce or so. And then, you know, something lightweight that's maybe a little sturdier, but you don't need three or four knives. So there's a lot of places where redundancy makes sense, you know, fire and stuff like that, emergency type stuff, but um, other places it just doesn't. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point too. I know a lot of times I'm hunting with another guy, another partner, and one hand lab probably is enough. You know, if we're hunting elk, we're hunting pretty close together because we're teaming up and calling together. So even if we went down to one headlamp and I could follow him along on the trail back to camp or something, I mean, that's not going to be, we're not going to hike out to the truck for another headlamp probably. We're probably just going to make it work. Yeah. And just being, uh, being really mindful of where you're hunting and the time of year. Um, for myself, when I go out on the first sheep hunt of the year, which is going to be a, a solo hunt up here in Alaska. Um, there's not that much darkness. So I may only bring one Petzl Bindi headlamp, just a tiny rechargeable headlamp, um, because I'm not, I don't need it. Um, there's maybe a couple hours, uh, uh, from like two to three that might be slightly darker inside your tent, but you can always see. Um, so even, um, if you're doing the same hunt, but at different times of the year, even like a month or two apart, um, that could change uh, what you need to bring um, as well. Circling back to clothing, I guess, let me ask you guys, since you're both uh, about ready to head out on a sheep hunt, so how many pairs of socks are you taking on, on this hunt up the hill, I guess? I'm taking three pairs. Two will stay if we're going to be at a little, you know, base or spike camp, the ones I'm wearing, obviously, but uh, that's for a 12-day hunt. Yeah, and, and myself, I'll only bring one extra pair besides what I'm wearing. Um, uh, I'll be doing a, a solo self-supported hunt that's more uh, bivy style hunting. So um, I'll be traveling almost every day. So taking down camp and putting it on my back. So um, those sort of hunts, uh, I really pare down everything to the absolute minimum. Yeah, that, that makes sense. We really haven't hit on it, but one of the heaviest things you carry around is your food how do we how do we dial in that i mean where do we go with that you, we, you could probably do a whole podcast on on food i'm guessing but and kind of going back to what ben said you know getting out you know even for day trips just getting used to you know what your body needs and what your needs are i do a similar thing with my foods as i do with you know all my gear you know how many calories and this is based on you know a couple decades uh backpacking and hiking but uh you know what do i need calorie wise how do i optimize it as far as weight there's a lot of calories uh you know foods out there that are very calorie dense and those are the ones i lean to reduces your weight i think like clothing i think sometimes people pack a heck of a lot more more food i hear you know stories where they're headed home after the trip and you know they've still got five pounds of food so 
I mean, you don't want to starve out there. You know, I carry a little reserve, you know, just in case, you know, beyond what I plan for. That's about it. Not a lot of extra food. And I go um, looking beyond even uh, what the calories are, but what the, the macros are of the food I'm taking. And just like physical training, you can train your body physically to prepare for a hunt, to be able to, to be durable and, uh, and strong in the backcountry. You can also train your body to uh, use food in, in different ways. So for myself, being a, a smaller guy, I'm 5'6", 135 pounds during sheep season. Um, I, in the past, I would find that I would bonk pretty easily. I would get those, um, the, you know, those crashes. Like if I don't have enough food with me, I would just feel awful. And over time, I've realized that if you can uh, train your, uh, like during my training season, I'll train fasted to help uh, my body get into a state where I can burn fat more efficiently and I don't need as much food. Um, and so on a hunt, I will, uh, I'll be able to take less food, more fat and protein, less carbs. I'm not relying on uh, high carb bars in order to, to maintain my energy. Um, I'm able to uh, go longer on, on those slower burning um, foods. And that's made a huge difference for myself and in, in the backcountry on these hunts. You take it to the next level. But I think you brought up a good point with how much that you weigh. And then you're talking about a 10-day trip and carrying all that food with you every single day up and down those mounts chasing sheep. And I could see where that's a critical thing. Just for reference, what, what do you anticipate your food weighing for, for your trip that you're going on? Uh, I'll uh, normally have around 1.3 to 1.5 pounds per day of food. So a 10-day hunt will be approaching 15 pounds of food. I'm in that 1.5-pound range as well. I'm the total opposite. Like I said, I find myself carrying oatmeal for breakfast. I eat it the first day, and then I'm like, oh, I remember how much I hate oatmeal. Then I carry the next six days in the bag with me. I should just pour it out for, with the squirrels. But if there's ever a zombie apocalypse, I know I can live on oatmeal for a couple more days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that brings up a good point as well. Um when you're back at the house and you're you're packing for your hunt and and going over your your all the different equipment lists and your food lists um it's easy to forget uh, how you felt about those things when you were actually out in the mountains and so i think a really important thing is to keep notes not just after a hunt but keeping notes during the hunt so when you're in your shelter in your tent in the evening write down what's working for you what's not what things come to mind like in that very moment because you're going to forget how those you're going to forget those little details once you're back and things might not seem as bad or might seem better than they actually were in the moment so then you can go back and look at those lists later on and remind yourself uh, what you need to be doing differently yeah excellent point i know i always forget a lot of stuff and as soon as you get out there in the first day of your next hunt you you remember pretty quick but doesn't do you any good right then. Staying with the food thing too, you're wondering how to lighten up. And I mean, obviously, you know, there's only so much you can lighten up, you know, if you have a caloric need. I found that it not only helps weight, but uh, volume as well. And sometimes volume is uh, an important thing too when you're trying to get stuff into a pack. But I repackage all my food. Cereal goes into, you know, little Ziplocs. Uh, pretty much um, eat 
freeze-dried meals for, you know, my suppers. And those are pulled out of the uh, aluminum foil thing. They go into a quart Ziploc. There's not a ton of weight savings, but there's some. The volume um, is pretty, you know, those big foil packs, uh, you know, they keep food really good. And that's where, you know, you want to keep them that way in your in your home. But, you know, once you're heading out for a trip, they go into a quart Ziploc. And I mean, probably 30% less volume going that way. And I eat right out of them too. I have a little, uh, I'll make a little plug for hyper light mountain gear, but they make a little uh, cozy, they call them. And basically it's to help reconstitute uh, the freeze-dried meal. It stays warmer that way. Um, it rehydrates a little quicker, but I put that one quart Ziploc in there, you know, stir it up, wait the appropriate time. And then I just eat it right out of that thing. So I don't have a, you know, a bowl or a plate or anything like that for my meals, just a spoon. So yeah, I do the exact same thing and use the the same products as that Mike does. And uh, another benefit of doing that of repackaging your meals is that once you open up, say you're you have a, a peak refuel meal um, that tastes pretty good on its own, but you can really uh, make it taste better and have uh, higher calories by just adding a few things. You can add spices to it. You could add some mct powder to add uh, a fat uh, higher fat content to the meal so you can modify your meals as you repack them as well um, and i find that makes them uh, uh, both more palatable and uh, a, a better uh, nutritional uh, meal are you guys using like a standard ziploc or a freezer do we do you got to go with the, like a little heavier Ziploc? How does how does that work when you add the boiling water there? Yeah, you want the freezer one. You know, going back to that, just one little thing too that came up. I saw somewhere that you know those peak refueled, and that's what I mainly eat. Very high calorie, you know, good protein in them, more than most, better taste than most. Um, but for some people, they're like a little too much. And as Ben was saying, you know, if they are, if you've got three of them, I mean, you can make four meals out of it. You know, you can kind of customize it. If your wife's going, I mean, I think most wives are going to have a hard time getting down a full one of those. I mean, probably a half would be good that way. You could split that way and there's weight savings that way too. So. All right. Excellent tip. I've got just a couple more that I was going to talk about. Um, water. Water's heavy. You know, you've got a trip to Nevada. I mean, you're going to be carrying a lot of water, I'm guessing. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Where I hunt elk and deer, I don't carry a lot of water, but I know the area as well. And I mean, so I might have a, a liter of water that I'm carrying and, but knowing that, you know, every couple of miles, there's going to be a source of stream, a little spring or something. So, you know, there's no sense for me to carry, you know, four liters of water. If that's what I'm going to use in a day when I've got water available, obviously it depends on the environment, pretty cheap, easy way to save weight if you're in the right place. I was going to say that one of the the key things for me is evaluating the comfort versus performance. So if you're going out and expecting to be uh, really comfortable the entire time, you're going to be too heavy if you're going out on a, a lightweight trip. So it's really just taking that idea and um, really uh, paring down things so that you're you know that you may not be comfortable 100% of the time, but you're going to survive. And your your shelter, for instance, you may not uh, not 
you may not need a, a double wall Hilleberg on a lightweight early season hunt. You may be able to get away with a, a floorless shelter as long as you know how to use it properly and use it in a way that it can withstand heavy rain and wind. Um, because once you start getting into these ultralight uh, principles and the gear that comes along with that, if you're not experienced in how to use it properly, you can really find yourself in a in a compromise situations um, because it does take uh, more skill and knowledge of, of that item in order to make it work for you. The Rockcast is also powered by MagView Gear. Step up your digiscoping game with the most streamlined digiscoping adapter in the industry. MagView pioneered a new era of digiscoping with its universal minimalistic spotting scope and binocular adapters. The system is designed to eliminate the frustrations and inconveniences found in traditional digiscoping systems. MagView's multifunctional system consists of three interchangeable designs, the S1 spotting scope adapter, the B1 binocular adapter, and the MagView phone plate. All MagView systems create an incredibly strong, stable digiscoping platform and only require a super thin stainless steel plate adhered to the phone to secure it to the optic. No more bulky phone cases, no more optic-specific adapters. MagView is the digiscoping choice for minimalist hunters looking for one adapter to fit most in-class optics. Many Rockslide members and staff have chosen the MagView system. You can see our in-depth review at rockslide.com and the Rockslide YouTube channel. To discover more about MagView gear, visit magviewgear.com for full specification, installation videos, and tips and tricks. Start capturing your own MagView moments today. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable. That's uh, definitely a mindset that you have to get in before you even leave the truck, that it's not gonna be, it's not necessarily gonna be fun, but you wanna accomplish a goal, and that's what you focus on, uh, the end goal. Yeah, your, your comfortable backpacking trips can be reserved for, for summertime or out with your spouse. And uh, it's those times that that I like to to take a, a, a bit more gear and, and have a more comfortable, enjoyable backpacking experience. But, but uh, during your your primary hunt, whether it's a sheep hunt or mule deer or elk, um, that's not the time to to have those indulgences. You want to you want to be as effective um, as you possibly can. One point I kind of want to circle back to is is you were saying that you need to know your equipment and use it properly. And I know that we just barely touched on, you know, when we go ultra light, there's a lot of different materials that they're using that are lightening up those loads. And that can affect the durability of a product. And we might not be used to that. Be kind of thrashing the stuff we use now, but it's heavier and more durable. And the lighter weight stuff may not take that. So we need to take that into account. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, there's another among uh, ultralight uh, backpackers and that's stupid light. And that's where you've crossed the line, um, you know, where you're so light that, uh, you know, kind of has been mentioned uh, that you may be putting yourself in a hazard's way. You don't want to be there, obviously. And again, I think it really goes back to what Ben said very early that, you know, you got to practice with this stuff. You got to use it, see where, you know, things could be better. I'll just mention quilts real quick. When quilts first came out on the backpacking scene, I mean, there was a, you know, a decent amount of weight reduction to do with quilts. And I jumped on the quilt bandwagon, replaced almost all my sleeping bags with quilts. 
for earlier seasons stuff, uh, I got along with quilts just great. When it got winter, I do a lot of winter backpacking. I had a zero-degree quilt, and I mean, I think it was accurately uh, rated by the amount of down in it. It didn't work for me. A little draft, you know, when it's 40 degrees versus, you know, when it's, you know, around zero is a huge difference. And I quickly got rid of, uh, you know, several of my uh, lower temperature quilts and went back to sleeping bags. So um, getting that use, you know, figuring out what's good for you and, and what's not. I went through that exact same process as well and have the exact same feelings that, that Mike does uh, regarding quilts and drafts. And you only realize if those are going to work for you or not after getting experience. And so I don't wait until the hunting season to find out if these things work. If I have inclement weather here at my house or it's a really cold night um, in the middle of winter, I'll go out and I'll sleep in my yard. I'll set up shelters and I'll test different systems even at home. Um, and I've learned a lot even even doing that without having to get out in the field. Um, and so that just jump starts the learning process. Yeah, no doubt having a failure in your backyard and you can go inside in the middle of the winter so definitely makes it more palatable to give it a try. Anything else we want to close out on? At the very beginning, you talked uh, about some of the pros. That's the whole point of shaving weight. You can go farther. Uh, you can go longer, you know, with less wear and tear on your body, kind of method to the madness. I mean, that's why we shave grams here and there and stuff. It just makes us more effective in the field, and that's why we do it. And I have one thing, too, uh, to keep in mind is that when you're going in and your pack weight is already fairly light, uh, say it's 40 pounds uh, going in for a few-day hunt, um, a, a pound here or there added on top of that may not make that much of a difference. You're not going to notice a huge amount of, of difference between a 40 and a 43-pound pack. But once you are packing out and you have the animal on your back, the difference between 120 or 103 pounds or 123 pounds is going to feel a lot more. So when you're coming out super heavy, any extra weight is going to make uh, a big difference. So if you can keep that in mind, um, and then also evaluating how you're going to be doing a pack out. If you're going to be single carrying on the way out, then it becomes even more crucial to to shave weight on the way in. Um, but for myself, I know I hunt in a lot of really rugged terrain and I'm going to be double carrying out. I'm going to be taking two loads. And so the, the ultralight uh, uh, factor is still important so I can cover ground when I'm hunting but it may not uh, uh, have that huge of an effect on the on the pack out because I'm already taking two loads. Yeah, that's a good point. And one thing that I kind of wanted to close out with is even though, you know, ultralight isn't my thing right now, I know as I start to replace my gear, as I start to get older, and I know that I want to push my hunting experience as long as I can and save my body the wear and tear. As my gear wears out or I replace with new gear, you know, weight has definitely moved higher up as a priority of, of one of the things I want to look at very first, you know, uh, performance and then weight for sure. And if I can get something that's lighter, even if it costs a little bit more, but I, I'm going to keep it around for a while and just slowly kind of upgrade my gear that way. And hopefully by the time that my age catches up with me, um, my pack will be light enough that I can just keep on grinding. Yeah, very, very valid point. All right, guys. Well, I learned so much from this. First thing I learned is I better start making a spreadsheet so I know where I am in the world. 
Um, when we close out, why don't you just kind of give us what you think your your pack weights are going to be for your upcoming sheep trips and how many days you're going to go on there. And then uh, people can kind of think about uh, where their pack weight compares. Yeah, uh, Mike and I were, were speaking when we were offline for a few minutes, and it's it's uh, pretty uncanny that our gear lists are pretty much exactly the same. Um, and while I'm going on a solo hunt that's self-supported and have I have to carry everything that I need, and Mike is going on a, a guided trip, our our weights uh, matched up pretty close. I know for me, uh, for this 10-day hunt, um, my base weight is uh, was 39 pounds. Uh, my consumable weight was 15, which is my food, and then another like 10 pounds on your body that you wouldn't normally weigh if you're just weighing your pack it's what you're wearing as your everyday outfit your boots your uh whatever shirt and pants uh that you normally wear and uh mine is about the same and we were talking about it uh you know some advice from a lot of folks to uh pare mine down more um because i am on a guided hunt so my guide's gonna have a spotting scope things like that but there's part of me that I, I mean, I just can't let go of stuff like that. So basically, I'd be going on a, a solo hunt if I could with this gear that I have. I'm bringing a spotting scope, a bunch of other things that I could probably leave behind. I'm, I'm just not, that's, I'm bringing my own stove. I mean, if we get stuck in with weather and stuff, I don't want to be bugging the guy to, you know, boil up some water so I can have a cup of coffee. I'm going to do it myself. So I might want to eat a meal if we're going to be laid up on the mountain. I can eat up on the mountain. So, I'm going to have my stuff. I'm not going to be paring down. So, and, and I could, but that's just the way it is. All I know is that I, I hope that the uh, the guy that is going to be taking Mike is is ready because I think the only thing that Mike's going to be leaving behind is is the guide if he's not prepared to to keep up with someone who trains and and hikes and is knowledgeable as as Mike is. So, I think uh, it's going to be a, a, a super fun and and I. I'm sure a successful hunt for Mike. No doubt he's going to have a great time in Alaska. I'm pretty impressed with your pack weight, and it just reinforces what we talked about here on the podcast. Any weight you shave before you leave the house is one more ounce you're not carrying on your back. And when you get 16 of those, that's one more pound that you're not carrying. And I think that it's just we need to be aware of it, and we need to start uh, putting our stuff in a spreadsheet and start thinking about it before we leave. All right, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Sam. Great chatting with you, Sam. Closing out. I want to make a mention of Rock Slide's 2023 Best Mule Deer Buck Photo Contest, sponsored by Cryptic. This is the eighth year of the contest and is bound to be the best. Our friends at Cryptic have put up a $500 gift certificate for the first place winner. For second place, longtime sponsor PhoneScope has stepped up with great prize package too. For third and fourth place, winner's choice of one of Robbie Denning's books. This is not the biggest buck contest, but the best photo contest. The winning 2023 photo will be judged on the following criterion rules. The wow factor. Is it a great photo that grabs a viewer? The composition. By that, I mean the way in which the different parts make up your photo are arranged. Is there too much background? Not enough animal? Or vice versa? Are the antler tips out of the frame or the hunter's head cut off? Is it a good balance between the buck hunter and the terrain? The size of animal. This doesn't mean the biggest animal wins, but if number two and number three are equal, we'll charge the bigger animal. Must be a photo of a buck harvest by Fair Chase in 2023 or after December 10th of 2022. You must be able to prove the date of your harvest. Between archery seasons and December 10th, post up your best harvest photo. 
Must be a Rockslide member to enter your photo of your buck. One photo per buck only. If you harvest multiple bucks, you can enter one photo free. By posting, you agree to let Rockslide and Cryptic use the winning photo in promotional material without compensation. Any international winner is responsible for border tax, custom fees, and excessive postage. If you want to see for yourself, the 2023 Best Buck Mule Deer Photo Contest is in the Mule Deer Forum. It's a sticky at the top of the page. Until next time, this has been Sam Weaver. <laughs>